Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Claudia Levy will join us to discuss Labyrinth of Ice. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Rock's Science Show. Well, we're joined today by author Buddy Levy. He has written the new book, Labyrinth of Ice, which recounts the story of Lieutenant Aldolphus Greeley and his crew of 24 individuals. And Mr. Levy, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok's Science Show. It's my pleasure. Very fascinating tale you recount here in your new book, Labyrinth of Ice. I became interested in the story and why you decided to write the book. Yeah, so I had been um, interested in um, Arctic exploration and, and the Great White North since I was a kid, actually. And um, then, you know, reading the stories of, of Jack London and uh, adventure and survival narratives. And then I had the opportunity to travel to Greenland in 2003, um, remarkably, to follow a, a blind adventurer um, who was competing in a race. And um, it was my first time to Greenland, and I, after I got back, I mean, I was so transfixed by the, the place, the landscape, the remoteness, the topography, that I started reading a more widely, and I stumbled on to this expedition, which had been, I mean, it, it was a little known, but I, I saw, I was just really mesmerized by the, the story itself, and so, um, I started researching it more and just compiling everything I could read about it. Um, and then a couple of years ago, the opportunity came around um, with an editor at St. Martin's to uh, do a book on it. And so then I rolled up the sleeves and really launched in. To start, if you can talk about the leader of the expedition, Lieutenant Greeley. Right. So Greeley is a very complex figure. And, you know, he was a Civil War fighter. He was injured in the Civil War, and he um, remained an army man um, throughout his life. But he had, um, it, at the time he, uh, he, he got, um, after the war, he started, um, stayed in the army, and he ended up working at, as a Signal Corps officer, and he was setting up telegraph lines all over the American Southwest. And it, simultaneously, he was also fascinated by polar exploration. And he had heard that there was this Austrian man named Karl Weiprecht who was conceiving of this really revolutionary idea called the International Polar Year, and uh, which was to maintain a, a, a whole slew, like a dozen Arctic um, research stations circumnavigating the Arctic Circle. And, um, and so Greeley really worked hard to try to get involved with this. Um, and that, that was in about 1881. But remarkably, you know, he really had never been to the polar north. Um, and so, you know, it was sort of like going to the moon at that time. And he was able to assemble a, a remarkable collection of scientists, explorers, these people ready to go, or it takes some work to get these people on board. 
Well, so that's an interesting question, too. The, um, they were sort of a mixed bag. So a number of the enlisted men Greeley had plucked from the American Southwest, and they literally were, had been out in you know, the Plains states, and then, um, but they were always game for uh, employment and for adventure, most of them. Um, and then there was a, hand, a handful of them, um, including a, a Edward Israel, a meteorologist who was a college-educated man, and George Rice, a photographer, uh, and then Greeley himself had quite a bit of meteoro- meteorological training, um, mo- mostly self-taught, actually. Um, and so when they arrive up at Fort Conger, you've got this interesting hodgepodge of um, scientifically minded men and lots of equipment, uh, and then others who have never, you know, are just really going to be doing the work. What motivated them? Do they think there was great riches and rewards to be had from all this? Well, it's um, fame, for one thing. So one of Greeley's sort of secret plans, but some of the men knew, was that he was going to try to reach farthest north. So at the time in 1881, uh, no one had been to the North Pole, and there were uh, large questions about actually what existed up there. Um, that it was one of the last places still unmarked on on global maps. So many of the men, you know, believed that they might somehow reach, uh, become sort of internationally famous. Uh, and and also there was a sense of of duty and patriotism because, as I said, there they were an army contingent, so they were ready to do just about anything. Uh, the thing is that Greeley knew, and what some of the men didn't know, was that crew losses uh, of polar explorations at the time were about 50%. So I think some of the men, had they known that uh, before embarking, they might have uh, thought about stepping off the ship. His mission was no different. There were many, many challenges, as you note in the book. Right. So I think what's really, really compelling about the story is that it's sort of in, it, there's two central parts in my mind, which is they originally go... Uh, in a 200-foot-long steamship up to what amounts to the, you know, the tip of uh, Ellesmere Island in Canada and the northernmost parts of Greenland, and they're dropped off with enough lumber to survive for a few years, and and they've got this prefab lumber then to build a longhouse. So while they're up at what's called Fort Conger, they build this place, and they've got all of these outbuildings, which are observatories, and they can do scientific experimentation up there. Um, they've got a double-walled building that has two stoves. There's a coal seam up there. So they're relatively comfortable, which is good news because they're experiencing uh, winds of up to 100 miles an hour, uh, hurricane force winds, and then temperatures plunging to nearly 100 below zero. But while they're up at Fort Conger for two years, they're they're able to do their scientific work, and they're able to go on these uh, forays, which are expeditionary, and try to reach farthest north, the highest northern latitude ever reached by man. Uh, and then, then I view the second part, and at that, up there, too, there's lots of challenges. They get attacked by wolves. Um, there's some infighting and near mutiny because of the long polar night that takes place where it's dark from say, October 15th to February 15th, 130-some days of continuous darkness. Um, And then there's a second part, which is more about survival, where they they have to leave Fort Conger for different reasons, and then there's a 51-day ordeal on ice and snow and water that is just um, one of the great adventure and survival stories in human history.
they managed to survive, some of them. Yeah, some of them. And again, what I was really struck by, too, is Greeley's dedication to... So all of the, when they when they leave Fort Conger, they, they bring with them... They had been taking up to 500 uh, scientific readings per day for nearly two years. And Greeley was very, very adamant that they... That this information, which he, you know, has compiled in um, charts and pictures and specimens and graphs and um, photographic images, that these things not be lost to history. So when they begin their retreat from Fort Conger, they, the men, really orders and the men agree that all of this um, scientific record be brought with them. So they could have easily just left it behind, but Greeley was not about to do that. So in addition to just trying to, to survive the, the elements in small craft at this point out in uh, swirling icebergs, they're hauling up onto these bergs, you know, sometimes multiple times a day uh, onto sledges, and they're hauling up, you know, a few thousand pounds of, of um, crates and information. Really remarkable. Why do you think that the story really hasn't gained as much attention as some other? Um, that's a really good question. I'm not sure. I think hopefully now it will. Um, part of it might have to do with, so there, the story sensationally is connected in, in part to cannibalism, um, which, you know, I mean, other, other polar explorations, uh, expeditions um, have evidence that suggests that as well. But so there's this sort of sensational fascination, though, with and also a, a kind of taboo element to cannibalism. Um, but I, I try to handle that uh, part of the story with um, deftness and accuracy because it's, it's, um, it's somewhat controversial um, what exactly happened, um, and it really bears a close look. Uh, but yeah, this, I mean, this story has basically everything that I have ever looked for in, you know, an adventure tale. It's got survival, um, selflessness, patriotism, heroism, and then also incredible endurance. As you went through all the various sources, I mean, was there anything that surprised you as you were through researching the story? Yeah, well, a, a couple of things. One, I suppose, was um, the importance of Henrietta Greeley, his, uh, Greeley's wife, who, who was back home and who did, hadn't wanted um, Greeley initially to go in the first place because she was a very well-read, educated woman, and she knew the score, you know, that it was, that things were, polar exploration was just incredibly dangerous. So w once she agrees that it's something that he has to do, um, when, when these re relief ships uh, are have troubles of their own. Um, Henrietta Greeley is is just uh, tireless in her um, attempts to get the U.S. government to act and go try to find him or resupply him. And so she also brings to bear the full weight of the national media, which I thought was really interesting. You know, this is back in 1880, 82, 83. And she is well-connected with papers around the country and so is her brother and so they actually create a kind of national outcry while there's this governmental um foot dragging Henrietta Greeley is is going to is, she won't rest until relief is sent and then I suppose the other surprising thing is the is, is the science is the r remarkable um thoroughness with which Greeley and the men record data I mean we're talking everything from, um, you know, glacial ice movement, tidal movement, 
um, wind speeds, barometric pressure, and you know they're scribbling these things in notebooks in just the worst of conditions, um, scribbling all of these these recordings and taking such care to bring this information back, which you know now we have this baseline that was ended up being can be used uh, by current scientists to to confirm suspicions about. Um, diminishing glacial ice, you know, diminishing ocean ice, uh, and, and all of this stuff, which really, you know, had no idea where we would be some uh, century and a quarter later, but uh, it sure is useful to have. Certainly the polar region continues to be a region under much contention these days. How do you think uh, their expedition forms uh, our current state of affairs up there? Well, I think it's really fascinating. So, you know, Greeley was doing all this work, and currently there is a um, a ship called the Polar Stern, which is locked in the ice and floating in, in ocean sea ice for a year, doing continuous study of the very kind that Greeley was doing back then. And so he was really, a, a, you know, a pioneer, along with Carl Weiprecht, the Austrian who conceived of this sort of um, consortium approach. And so I was really, really amazed when I read about this Polar Stern that, you know, they're doing, it's, it's a, again, it, you know, it's a group of, um, uh, there's, there's scholars and scientists from all over the world, and just as there were in 1881 in this, this international polar year. And so, yeah, I think Greeley's legacy is that um, it's an area that we really need to pay attention to. And the, and the climate and weather um, that is going on up there uh, has such far-reaching implications on the rest of the globe in terms of, you know, um, tidal levels, uh, sea levels. And, and it's just really remarkable that, that his story is um, not only about adventure and survival, but about science. We were just talking with Mr. Buddy Levy. His new book, Labyrinth of Ice, Triumph and Tragic Greeley Polar Expedition. And uh, Mr. Levy, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.